some real interesting things on today's, and then uh, and then we'll come back and teach on sanctification. Welcome to this week's End of Days Update coming to you from Tulsa, Oklahoma. We're coming to you every week to look at the different things that point to the coming of the Lord. And if you happen to be in Tulsa this weekend, we'll be at World Outreach Church Sunday night getting into end times. We'll have a great time. We're here at Winter Bible, uh, Raymond Bible Training Center all week. Amazing. It was uh, 40 years ago this year that I went to Bible school there. Uh, so blessed to get to be there at that time. Just a treasure it and a privilege to get to go to Raymond years ago. I can't believe it's been 40 years, though. So I was four, so praise the Lord. Well, we're looking at all the things that point to the coming of the Lord, specifically the gathering of nations for the Ezekiel 38 war. Because we talk about it, the rapture is signless, but the second coming has tons of signs. And we, we get into this because it's not an escape theology. You know, when you see the finish line, you run faster. I've never seen anybody in a race when they see the finish line chill. No, you accelerate. So all this information about how close we are to his return are to push us to run faster. So let's pick up what's happened this last week. Man, so many things are happening around Israel. Very, very exciting. We're about to see Jesus. We, we're living in the most exciting times ever. I like it that uh, the Holy Spirit's already said what you'd look like. Daniel saw you, said you'd know your God, you'd be strong, and you would do exploits. So it's, uh, the anticipation of seeing Jesus face to face, amazing. So let's pick up what's happened around Israel. Of course, so many things, and I'm going to try to go through them one by one. Israel did another airstrike right outside of Damascus on Iranian troops. They hit a big munitions area, hit a warehouse, hit even a place that handled some of their uh, higher ups as far as the Revolutionary Guard goes. Amazing to have airstrikes literally every single week against stuff right there. And then you have, you know, you have Turkey and Syria battling out Aleppo. With that, you have Russia use its special forces to guard the road from Damascus to Aleppo. So you got all these different players that are the players of the Ezekiel 38 war all coming together at the exact same time. In the middle of that, you had Iran unveil a brand new missile. It's basically the new missile that's capable of, of having a nuclear warhead. Pretty crazy. They keep it underground, indicating that they can fire that missile whenever they want. They can make the preparations to have it ready whenever they want. And it can fi- be fired at any angle. It's not one of the missiles that has to go straight up vertical. Uh, pretty crazy showing that they, they're touting this to show Israel, we can fire this on you whenever we want, whenever they get that nuclear material ready. Now, the U.N. watchdog said it would be the, by the end of this year. The Jerusalem Post came out today saying, hey, the only way Israel's going to be, be able to protect itself from Iran is with its own missiles. So Israel's gearing up for this because, I mean, Israel's surrounded on every front. Gaza, you had they're still doing incendiary balloons. They still fired rockets. They took three days off from that, and Israel released sanctions uh, uh, basically took the sanctions off of Hamas. But on one of the incendiary ruins, you had rocket-propelled rocket, rocket grenades. So you, you, you just got bizarre thought patterns right there. And along with that, you have the EU that came out saying they're not going to even vote on what the, the peace plan would be until after the elections. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the elections because they've been stalemated each time. So crazy things are happening in every area. I love that the Jerusalem Post came out with another story on the bathing areas around the Temple Mount. I mean, that's a pretty big deal. The rabbis are like, wow, these are the first times these 
pools have been full in 2,000 years. I mean, that's, that's pretty remarkable. Along with that, you had another archaeological find right down by where the city of David is showing that Israel had a temple there 2,000 years ago. I mean, you got art, art of, uh, archaeological findings almost every single week backing up Israel's right to its land. Because basically all the big deal over the West Bank and the big deal over all the areas, they're calling it occupied territory. It's not occupied territory. It was Israel's thousands of years ago, and Israel won it back in the Six-Day War. So you see a continuation of of fighting over all those little details. Now, bizarre things keep happening. You had a, a, a large earthquake right outside of Iran. This is the thing that gets even crazier. You have in Switzerland, this this week they passed a law, if you're homophobic or against homosexuality, you can be charged with a crime and go to jail for three years. Insane. And in Finland, there's a Christian pastor that they're trying to arrest for putting out a pamphlet saying God made male and female. That along with that, listen to this, listen to how crazy this is. You have Putin in Russia come out saying that we're not going to have gay marriage. Uh, marriage is between a man and a woman. So too crazy. Along with that, you had the U.N. coming against Russia today because Russia continues to arm the rebels right there on the edge of the Ukraine. They had some, kind of an uproar this last week. So all the players are in the position they need to be in with the crazy stuff that's happening all over the world. Coronavirus. Don't even get into all that, but the amount of earthquakes that keep happening, I don't even get into all that. But those exactly what the Bible said you'd see, there'd be pressure on the earth. So you've got natural things happening, and you've got nations getting in position, and Israel getting ready to have a handoff. See, the rapture of the church is going to happen. I hear people preaching these days, you have to be an overcomer to make it in the rapture. You don't qualify on your own merits to go in the rapture. His blood qualifies you. And that's why you don't get your doctrine from the rapture in the Gospels. Matthew 24 is not a rapture doctrine. Matthew 24 is second coming. Where one's taken and one's left, that's not the rapture, that's the second coming. So you, you, you have to get into the epistles to find out the true story for us in the church. It, totally separate rules once Jesus was raised from the dead. We're blessed because the rapture is not about us. It's about him coming back for his body. So so soon we'll have that. Now the weirdest preaching is going on. It all goes back to Jesus didn't do enough uh, good with his blood. No, he did. He purchased you. He cleansed you. And he put you into his body. So soon we'll be raptured. That's going to be amazing. We've got a lot of work to do before we go, though. So let's pick up what the Scripture says, because we get into all these things that are happening all over the world, and there's things that I can't even get into every week that are just amazing, but it points to his return. But we always go back to Scripture. The Bible says Israel's made a nation and Jerusalem won back. Jesus said those two events, the generation sees those two events will not pass away until all is fulfilled. So that's happening in our lifetime. Then you've got the Hebrew language restored. You've got the Ethiopian Jews brought back. You've got the fertility of the land of Israel. You've got the Temple Mount Institute. You've got the revival of the Roman Empire. You have 172 different species of predatory birds. These are the things that keep happening this last year. Uh, Ezekiel prophesied that there'd be fish in the Dead Sea showed up this last year. You had those bathing areas around the Temple Mount completely refilling just in the last few weeks. That's crazy. You had foxes up on the Temple Mount just this last year. Uh, that's from Lamentations. So you have foxes in position, birds in position, fish in position, the Temple Mount Institute in position. So all these different variables that the Bible said you had to see right before the coming of the Lord is happening right in front of our eyes. The gospel is going all over the world. 
and all these events are happening that Jesus said you'd see just before he returns. Why did he tell us this? He said, lift up your heads. When you see these things, lift up your heads. Your redemption is drawing nigh. Indicating you could be downtrodden when all these things are happening. No, your strength is tied to your joy. The whole purpose for all this information is for you to have great joy because he loves you so much. He wants you excited. I say it every week. When Colleen, when Colleen, my wife, was walking down the aisle to get married to me, if she'd have gone, oh my God, i got to marry that guy, that wouldn't have been exciting. No, the Lord wants the church excited because we're about to see him. So you have tons more signs happening. Golly, men will be lovers themselves. We have selfie sticks. You got Aerosmith, Stephen Tyler got saved. That's a sign in itself. And you go from signs, which have tons of signs, to signals. You had the blood red moons on Passover and Tabernacles. Four in a row. When's the last time you had four in a row? NASA called it a tetrad. 1967 when Jerusalem was won back. 1948 when Israel was made a nation. 1492 at the Edict of Expulsion when the Jews were kicked out of Spain. So you have blood red moons. You had the Bethlehem star of this last year. First time in 2,000 years. The birth of Jesus, the constellation was Virgo. This last year, the constellation was Leo because he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. Wow. You had Mercury do stuff. It just is all these different... There's many more things that have happened on certain dates that are even tied to even more radical stuff. I mean, even President Trump, you think about this last January uh, 21st was the midpoint of his presidency. There was a blood moon, wolf moon, super moon. When Trump was born, there was a blood red moon. 700 days later, Israel was made a nation. When Trump was elected, Benjamin Netanyahu had been in office seven years, seven months, seven days. When Trump was inaugurated, he was 70 years old, seven months, seven days. Moved the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem after 70 years. There's amazing things happening that point to the coming of the Lord. And if you say, you say the president's name, Trump, and you say our vice president's name, Pence, Trumpets, that's when Jesus is coming back on the Feast of Trumpets. Our president and vice president's name mean the rapture of the church and the coming of the Lord. Crazy! It's because God shows us what's going to happen before it happens and proves that he's God. That's what he said to Isaiah. This is how you can tell I'm God. I'm going to tell you the end from the beginning. We're so privileged and so blessed to have the technology to see all these verses coming to pass. Why? We're about to see Jesus. Let's accelerate. Help your local church. Help your local pastor. Get the job out. Get the message out. Get the job done. Whatever we need to do. All hands on deck. Jesus is just about to come. It is amazing that all of a sudden we're going to see him face to face. Eyes is a flame of fire. Fire, feet like undefined brass, voice of many waters. God Himself coming back to the planet. Man, have a blessed, awesome week. We'll see you next Wednesday. Amen. And then um, I saw, I, he didn't really mention this, but I saw an uh, article today, and uh, this happened like 10 days ago um, in uh, Turkey when they had that earthquake in Turkey that the, the rivers in Turkey turned blood red. And it just turned red. I mean, they showed pictures of it. It was as red as blood. I mean, the, all of the water in Turkey in that area where that earthquake happened, the waters just turned blood red, you know. Well, this one they said that it, it was something to do with the clay underneath the, you know, with the earthquake and when it shook and the clay turned it red or something like that. I mean, that, that was their explanation. But, but, uh, but I mean, you know, I, and I don't know, I mean... I, I just I found that interesting. I mean, you know, that just that you know, as the earthquakes and the turning blood red, just you know, biblical things. You know, I mean, so uh, pretty interesting stuff. All right, so um, we have been looking at some. Uh, we've been you know studying some of the basics, some of the things that that uh, what certain words mean and and the importance of them. We've we've looked at salvation. We've looked at 
you know, water baptism, uh, the blood covenant. We've looked at, uh, you know, what, what was it Abraham believed, why the virgin birth was important, what happened from the cross to the throne. We've looked at a lot of different things. And then last week or two weeks ago, I guess, we looked at redemption and we looked at righteousness and we looked at redemption. And uh, this week we're going to look at another word that that uh, kind of that you hear some of and that sometimes you don't really we may not have a full understanding of it, but but it is so very important. This is another one of those words that I could take this and I could teach on this for three months. What I'm giving you tonight is just just I'm scraping the surface. And if you're interested in it, you know I, I encourage you to study. I encourage you to to do an in-depth study about it. Because you can go a whole lot deeper than... I'm just basically wetting your appetite a little bit. Um, And it's the word sanctification. How many of y'all have ever heard that word before? Sanctification. When you hear that word, what do you you think of? What do you think it means? And of course, I gave you the paper, so you got the definition. But but, but when you hear the word sanctification, what, what comes to your mind? To sanctify, to, you know, sanctified or... Salvation. Purified, set apart. Holy, yep. I mean, all those are right. I mean, those are right terms. Um, but, you know, so so how does that apply to us? You know, and when you look, when you see, when you see the word sanctification or sanctified or um, you know, uh, sanctify or sanctified or sanctification, what what does that mean, and how does it look? And 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 the de- the definition here uh, basically just means to be separated. And notice here, I put uh, I put the word "to" in capital capitalization, separated to God. You know, because you can use you can you can sanctify something um, to, and, and that word "sanctify" it could almost also also mean to set apart, um, to set aside for a specific use. Um, you know, and, and there's all kinds of definitions you can use there. But for our definition and what we're using it from a biblical perspective, when we talk about being sanctified and, and having sanctification and being sanctified, what we're talking about is that, that we are being separated to God. And I love this. I came across this definition one time, and, and I've always loved this as far as the definition of sanctification. I think this, I think Creflo Dollar said this, or somebody I heard teaching on this one time, and, and I, I thought it was good, and I wrote it down, and, and I use this when I talk about sanctification, but, but he said this, Sanctification is the process of God's grace and favor by which the believer is separated from sin and dedicated to God's righteousness. Now, even before we get into a, a little bit, let me, let me throw another word or two at you. Because um, we talked about redemption the last time we talked, I think. And, you know, what it meant to be redeemed and what it meant to, you know, when we talked about righteousness and, and all of the things that that had to do with, uh, with salvation. And, uh, you know, somebody said that when you think about being sanctified, you think about salvation. But sanctification and salvation are actually, they're really two different things. Salvation is, salvation is the point and the, the uh, I, I don't want to call it, uh, I use the word event in here. Uh, I think I used that word in here somewhere. Yeah, like number two down there. I said it's a process, not an event. Like salvation is like an, an event. It's a one. It's a you know, like you can pinpoint the time that you ha- that you got salvation on such and such a day. I asked Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. You know, you can pinpoint that day, and that's a one-time thing. You know, and 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 another word we can use for salvation is, and you hear this word, and and I probably should have put it in here, but. But you hear this word justified, you know, 
um, when, when, you, when we talk about being justified, and one way that I always enjoy hearing people, or I've always liked the way people describe that, the word justified means it's just if I had never sinned. To be justified is just if I had never sinned. In other words, when, when God justified you, that was a one-time thing. At salvation, you were justified. He justified you. He, he, he canceled sin on your behalf. You no longer had to pay the penalty for sin because at salvation, it was put to your, your credit that Jesus paid the price for you. You know, you were justified. And then, then you come, you fast forward to sanctification. So what is sanctification? Sanctification is the process that you and I are living out every day of our life. Is the process that we are we are separating from sin and we're turning our life to to God. It's sanctification is the process that that uh, from my perspective and and you hear different different uh, people talk about sanctification and you can talk about different different types of sanctification. But what I'm I'm just giving you an overview tonight. And like I said, so what we're talking about tonight is the fact that that sanctification is the process by which God. Uh, we, I, I could put it this way. Let me say it this way. Sanctification is the process by which you grow up in Christ. As, as you are sanctified, as you are, as you are more and more sanctified in your, in your walk toward God, you become more and more like Him. And I put on here that the result of sanctification is holiness. The result of sanctification is holiness. What does holiness mean? We talk about holiness. And, and you know, now these are words, to be honest with you... Um, Probably in the last uh, ten years that you don't hear as much as you used to hear about. There, you know, there are words that back in the back in the day, we'll say back in the day, twenty, thirty, forty years ago, they talked a lot about sanctification. They talked a lot about holiness. They talked a lot about living right. You know, and and you heard a lot of people talking about. It. As a matter of fact, you know, uh, um, you, I mean, you know, you heard. Well, you just heard. You heard a lot more teaching on it. You don't hear that much today, and the reason being is because, because unfortunately, so much of the gospel today, um, people have, have turned it to where they don't want to offend people. They don't, they, they try to make it where people enjoy hearing it, and they don't, you know, and, and they don't want to preach, you know, what, and I, I don't, I don't mean this in the, in a bad sense, but, but people don't like preaching the hard messages to where, to where they tell you that, you know, if you're having sex outside of marriage, it's sin. You know, you don't hear that preached a lot. I mean, the reality of it. Why? Because everybody does it. It's on TV. It's on your TV every night in your house. You, we watch it, and we don't think nothing about it. Amen, Pastor. That's true. <laughs> and so what, what has happened, what has happened is we've gotten away from preaching about sanctification and holiness because, we're, because we have accepted, unfortunately, as a culture here in America especially, we have accepted, uh, you know, we we have not accepted holiness in our life. I'll put it that way, because holiness here. Listen to listen to the definition of holiness. Holiness is being of one mind with God. That means this: what God thinks is right, you think is right. What God thinks is wrong, you think is wrong. Now I'll preach to me as much as I'll preach to you. But how many of us sit and watch TV shows and movies, and we allow our kids to see it? We watch it. And we don't think nothing about it, but we, we sit there and watch people having affairs, drinking alcohol, drink, you know, being drunk, and people beating people up, and people having you know, sex outside of marriage and every other scene. And, and we just sit there and watch it, and we don't see nothing about it. That's not holy. Amen. 
Sanctification, listen. And then, and then we wonder, you know, we, we sit back and we wonder, well, how come God isn't moving like He used to move? You know, how come we don't see the miracles that they see over in Africa or over in these other nations here in America? Well, could it be that we've gotten away from some things that, that God would have us get back to? And see now, and you can see exactly why people get away from this, because you would run people off from church if you started preaching this every single week. I mean, I, I mean that's the reality of it. And, and you know, and so unfortunately, uh, people have gotten away from preaching about sanctification and holiness. But listen, sanctification and holiness is a part of our life that we need to, if we, if we want to be more like Him and we want to hear Him and we want to press into Him and we want more of Him in our life, it's going to take sanctification and holiness. I mean, that, there's no way around it. And you might say, well, well what does God say about it? What does, what does the Scripture say? Well, I'm glad you asked that because we're going to look. And uh, let's look, number one, I, put, I just put two points. And, and there's, I mean, listen, you can, you can uh, we could have went a bunch of different ways, but just for the sake of time, I just, um, I put two different, two different points down here. First Thessalonians chapter 4, and if this, if you have any question whether how important this is and what, what God's thoughts on it are, this should answer it right away, right when we get started. First Thessalonians chapter 4. Um, and let's look at First uh, Thessalonians chapter four, verse three. First Thessalonians four three. He says this: For this is the will of God. Okay, is that important to God? For this is the will of God, even your sanctification. Okay, people ask all the time, what's the will of God? Well, one thing the will of God is, he tells us, is our sanctification. What's sanctification? Our holiness. What's holiness? It's thinking like God thinks. If God says it's right, then we say it's right. If God says it's wrong, then we say it's wrong. Amen. That you should abstain from fornication. That Verse 4, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Let's read those two from the Amplified. Verse 3 from the Amplified says this, For this is the will of God, that you should be consecrated, separated, and set apart for pure and holy living, that you should abstain and shrink from all sexual vice. That each one of you, verse 4, that each one of you should know how to possess, control, and manage his own body in consecration, in purity, separated from things that are profane, and, and then, and then no, and, and that honor goes with that you should know how to possess and how to honor, how, you, how to control your body. Now listen. See, now, one of the things that you'll find when you study sanctification in the New Testament, and a lot of these scriptures, we're, 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 we'll look at about three or four different scriptures tonight, but you'll notice that when he talks about sanctification, Paul talks a lot about sexual sins. But you have to understand, you have to put yourself in that setting that Paul taught on this. Because so many of the temples in, in, that, in that day, they used prostitutes on their altars. 
And, and one way you sacrificed to their gods was you would go have sex with the prostitutes. And, and when you did that, that was considered that you were offering a sacrifice to that god. Well, could you imagine... See, I mean, sometimes we don't think this way, but could you imagine when, when somebody comes along with a new thought and says, okay, all you men, you can no longer have sex with the, with the temple prostitutes. You know how well that went over. Why? Because, well, I mean, you know, because, because it was, I mean, what man wouldn't want to go have sex with a temple prostitute and think, well, I'm, I'm offering to God. But then here, here comes Paul teaching this and what Jesus taught and said, listen, run away from sexual sins. Consecrate yourself. Sanctify yourself. God never told you to do that. You're doing something that's unholy. But then, well now listen, I mean we can all agree and we're all saying amen to that. But then what did Jesus say when He came along? If you have a thought... Of the other sex, you've already committed adultery in your heart. And that goes for women just like it does men. And see, so, so when Paul's talking about this, you know, a lot of times we think, and if we're not involved in sexual sins and we're not, don't have those problems, we think, oh, well, that's no problem. But you have to understand where he's coming from here because this was a, this was a huge thing in a lot of those cities was this, this thing about, uh, there was two big areas, the sexual thing, but then also the meat. Offered to idols, you know, and they would they would cast spells over that meat, and then and then people would go buy it and eat it, and you know, and Paul talked a lot about that, you know, about the food the food you eat and stuff. So so I mean, you know, but that, but I would just I just said all that because some of, like two or three of these scriptures we're going to read that where he, where Paul talks about sanctification, you're going to see that that he connects it with the sexual sin. But the reason he did that was because that was one of the biggest areas that people that, that they were struggling with about consecrating or setting themselves apart from in in that in that city in that day. So so notice that he said he said it is the will of God. So it's God's plan for you. Sanctification is what God wants from us. He wants us set apart. He wants us to be used to be used for Him, not for the you know for anything else. Um, Hebrews chapter ten. Turn back to Hebrews. Or over to Hebrews, I should say, actually. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 10. And this goes right along with this. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, let's just start reading verse 9. He says this, Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, Oh, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. Talking about those covenants. And then verse 10, he says this, By the which we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. So here we see, you might say, you might say how, how can we be sanctified? We're sanctified because of what, through the process or through what Jesus did for us. The Amplified says, in accordance with this, in according with this will of God, we have been made holy, consecrated, and sanctified through the offering made once for all of the body of Jesus Christ, the Anointed One. Now, listen here. How does sanctification work? Sanctification is not sanctification is not a um, it's not a work that we do. It's a work that God does in us. But yet, at the same time, we have to be. We have we have a part to play in it 
from the fact that we don't yield to those to those old those old things anymore. We'll see a scripture here in Colossians where he says, you you know, you've got to put off the old man and put on the new. So sanctification is not works towards salvation, but yet there is a work involved in it in the fact that we that that you and I have to understand that we have to say yes to God and no to the flesh. And and the more we do that, the more holy we become. Right? Um, let's turn over to Philippians. Turn back over to Philippians. And look at Philippians chapter 1. And so this, this talks about how this is a process. This is not a, like I said, this is not something, you're not going to be sanctified, you know, just like you were justified immediately. You were justified, it was a, it was a done deal, it was, you were justified and that was it. With sanctification, it's not that you become sanctified and never have to worry about it again. Sanctification is an ongoing process that we walk out every day. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, he said this, he says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you, he will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So see, he said that it's God that began the work in us, and he will continue to perform that work until the day we go to be with him. So this is so sanctification is a process. It's something that we live out every day. It's something that we by our choices. The Amplified says, and I'm convinced and I'm sure of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will continue until the day of Christ, right up to the time of his return. Now and listen to what he says here. Developing that good work and perfecting and bringing it to full completion in you. He said that developing that good work and perfecting and bringing it to full completion in you. So, so you can see here that it's that it, it that it is a process. It's something that we walk out. That that sanctification began the moment we were born again. The moment we were justified, that work of sanctification began. But but that work of sanctification will will continue to work in your life until we go to be with Him. Why? Because it's that good work that He put in us that He's going to continue to work until the day we go to see Him and be with Him in eternity. Amen. I should have had you hold your place in Hebrews because we're back in Hebrews chapter 10. Just We're going to skip down a couple of verses. Back to Hebrews chapter 10. I know I've just got you jumping to a bunch of different places here, but we're just, just showing you what the Scripture says about sanctification. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, verse 14 says this, For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Now, notice, um, let me look at this. I forgot to look up what version this was. Hold on one second. Let me see if I can find this. Um, notice that he said here in... Um, uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. See if I can find this one version that um, I think it may be. I apologize. I found one version that, and I, I just didn't write it down, and I I forgot which version it was. Yeah, uh, the New King James. Have we got the New King James? 
Um, verse 14 from the New King James. No, we don't. Okay. All right. The New King James says this, and, and this, this pulls it out a little bit better. The New King James says this, For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. So notice what he said. He said, for by one offering, talking about the offering that Jesus, the offering that Jesus, offering his body and, you know, redemption. For by one offering, he has perfected forever. So, you know, we've talked about, we've talked about that, how in redemption and salvation, our spirit man is perfect. Our spirit man never sins. Our spirit man is sealed until the day of redemption, the Bible tells us. Our spirit, when God sees us, he sees our spirit man. He doesn't see the flesh. He doesn't see how we mess up in the flesh, what he sees is our spirit man because we're one with him in the spirit. On Sundays, we've been talking about that this whole year. We've been talking about learning how to live out of our spirit, right? I mean, that's what we're talking about, learning how to, how to, to get down into our spirit and bring that out so that we live like Jesus would live. Well, so here he says that for that, by one, that, one, that one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. So you can see here that, 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 that the work of redemption is settled. It's done. But the work of sanctification, he says, you are being sanctified. So, so it's a process. It's not a one-time deal. It's something that, that you and I will continue to walk out sanctification or holiness. And how do we do that? Well, we do that by our choices, by our decisions, by, by living, by declaring what he says is right is right and what he says is wrong is wrong. By, and another way, we can say it this way, what we've been talking about Sundays, we look into the mirror and we find ourselves and we live, what the, we live like the person we see in here. You know, the Bible says that, uh, says that if you live after the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So see, so, so when, you, when you walk in the Spirit, you are walking sanctified, you're walking in holiness why? Because you're not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. Amen. Now, we saw this scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We saw this scripture a couple weeks ago. <coughs> and we talked about it already, but, um, but it uses the word sanctification. I think we may have even looked at it last week. 1 Corinthians 1.30. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, But of him are you in Christ Jesus who of God is made unto us wisdom, righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. Now, we've looked at three of those. We've looked at righteousness. We've looked at redemption. Tonight, we're looking at sanctification. But He's also made unto us wisdom. And you really could say this, that He's made unto us wisdom, and out of that wisdom flow righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. When, when we understand, when we understand his way of doing things, when we see the way he sees it, then, then we're going to understand righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. So, so those things are, but notice where they are. They are in Christ. You know, so how are we sanctified? We're sanctified when we're in him. When we learn how to live out of Him, out of our relationship with Him. This is not a work that you do in your own power and your own strength. But it's something that God, a work that God does in us. It's that process that God is working in us to do away with sin and to, and to, to turn us to God's righteousness. Amen. Turn over to chapter 6. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 11. <clears throat> 
And we'll just start in verse 9 here in this one. Verse 9. And, and here Paul is talking to the church at Corinth, which is another church that... that uh, the church at Corinth, you remember, was a very spiritual church. They had a lot of the gifts of the Spirit in operation, but they were also a very carnal church. They had a lot of trouble. They had a lot of, a lot of junk going on in the church. And Paul here said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Paul said this. He said, Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And then look at verse 11. He says, and such were some of you. And actually, probably uh, probably we would say it this way. It would probably be better to say it. And all of you were that way. Before you knew Jesus, we were all part of that clan that did that stuff. And such were some of you, but you are washed, but you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. The Amplified for verse 11 says, And such were some of you once, but you were washed clean, purified by a complete atonement for sin and made free from the guilt of sin. That's redemption. You were redeemed. You know, you were saved. And you were consecrated, set apart, hallowed or made holy. And you were justified, pronounced righteous by trusting in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Holy Spirit of our God. So see, he said, he said at one time, at one time we lived in the world. At one time we, we acted like the world. We, I mean, we were part of the world system. The Bible says that, you know, before we knew God, we were, Satan was all of our fathers. I mean, you know, there's not anybody that lived that can say that Satan was never their father except for Jesus. I mean, that's just the reality of what happened when Adam and Eve fell. I mean, you know, we were all under his tyranny. We were all under his, in his kingdom. That's the reason that, you know, the scripture, we, we read it in Colossians there, I think, when, um, you know, the prayer that Paul prayed where he says, we've been translated from the kingdom of darkness and, and we, or no, it says we've been, we've been delivered from the kingdom of darkness and translated into the kingdom of light. You know, so, so we're no longer part of that kingdom. But here, he, you know, he told the church, he said, you, he says, some of you were like that. He says, but you were, I love that. He says, you were washed, you were sanctified, and you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and in the Holy Spirit. Second Timothy. Second Timothy. So, so sanctification, you can see sanctification is a huge part. It should be a huge part in our lives. It should be something that we're after. It should be something that that we uh, that we want to um, you know that we want to go after. Uh, let's look Second Timothy two. Let's look at verse. Um, let's we'll just start in verse twenty. Yeah, it says, "But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and of earth." some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified 
and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. The Amplified in verse 21 says this, So whoever, now listen to this, whoever cleanses himself from what is ignoble and unclean, whoever separates himself from contact with contaminating and corrupting influences, will then himself be a vessel set apart and useful for honorable and noble purposes, consecrated and profitable to the Master, fit and ready for any good work. So he said this. He said, listen, see, because here's, here's the truth of this. Although sanctification is a work that God does in us, it's our choice whether we allow that work to happen or not. I mean, this is a perfect scripture. He says, listen, he says, in a, in a great house, he said, there's vessels of honor and there's vessels of dishonor. What he meant by that is there's vessels that, that you only, there's, there's plates and there's, there's uh, uh, dishes that you only bring out when the best guests come. Right? And then there's other vessels that you have out every day and sometimes you even hide when people come. The paper plates and the trash cans and the, and the slop buckets and, you know, if you live on a farm, right? I mean, but guess what? Those, those are all vessels and you use them. And what he's saying here is this. You choose which one you want to be. I, um, you know, I'm posting those uh, scriptures from Proverbs. And this morning, I, I think it was this morning, the one, and I'm, I'm doing it from the message translation this month, the one this morning said that, said that gossip is like cheap candy. And said nobody wants that junk in their stomach. Amen. Well, well, see, you choose what you put in. And see, here he said, he said, you know, that every house, every house has both vessels of honor and dishonor. And we could say it this way. Every person here chooses whether you're a vessel of honor or dishonor. You choose it by what you allow to come in. You choose it by, and, and you know, the Amplified says that. He says, so whoever cleanses himself... From what is ignoble and unclean, whoever separates himself from contact with that unclean stuff and corrupting stuff, then he himself will be a vessel set apart and useful. I love that. Set apart and useful and noble for noble purposes. And then this last one, especially, I like this. You're consecrated. That word consecrated is another word for sanctified or just made holy, set apart. You're consecrated, you're sanctified, and you're profitable to the Master and you're fit and ready for any good work. You know, one of the prayers I pray, I pray this a lot, especially on days, I prayed it today, this afternoon, and, and I prayed on Sundays a lot, and I prayed during the week too. But a lot of times I'll pray uh, before services, and I'll, I'll just pray, Lord, Lord, let us be vessels of honor that you can just pour your Spirit through to the people today. See, I want to be a vessel of honor, fit, prepared, so when the Master calls my name, I don't have to run and... And, and ask for forgiveness or something. But I'm fit and prepared. I don't have to have the master glue my arm back on or, or patch a hole in, in the bottom of, my, of, the, of the dish. You know, I want to be, when he needs me, I want to be able to say, yes, sir, here I am, send me. Be fit and ready. How do we do that? We choose to be sanctified. We choose to live holy. Amen. Colossians, last, last verse here. <clears throat> Colossians, chapter 3. 
Now, this is like a progression, okay? This, these ten verses, I'm just going to read through them pretty quick. And, and, and you're going to be able to see, uh, as we read through this, you know, you're going to see the progression here. Listen, and, and I'll, just re- I'll read through it pretty quick. Chapter 3, verse 1. He says this, If ye then be risen with Christ, how many of y'all are risen with Christ? I mean, that, he's talking about us. If we be risen with Christ, he said, Seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. So what are you doing? You're sanctifying. You're, you're becoming holy. How? By thinking about what God thinks about. I love what Bill Johnson says. I don't have, I don't have time to have a thought in my head that God doesn't think about me. I don't have time for it. So I've got to set my affection on things above, not on things of the earth. For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then we shall also appear with Him in glory. Hallelujah. And then look at verse 5 here. He says this, So mortify, therefore, your members. The Amplified says to kill, deaden, deprive of power your body. Which are, which are upon the earth. And here's, here's what he says to, to run from, to, to, to consider as good as dead. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affections, evil, evil works, uh, covetousness, which is idolatry. For which, for which things, for which things sake, the wrath of God comes on the children of disobedience. In which you also walked some time when you lived in them. But now, you also put off all these. You put off anger. You put off wrath. You put off malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. You put that junk off. You lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds, see all that stuff there in verse 6 to 7 and 8, and even the first and 9, that's the old man. Paul said, you've got to put that off. You, you, you're dead to that stuff. You put that stuff off. Verse 10, and you have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Now, look at verse 10 in the Amplified. Because this, because this says something here that, that I want to point out. He says this, And having... Um, let's see, look at verse 9. He says, verse 9 in the Amplified. He says, Do not lie one to another, for you have stripped off the old, unregenerate self with its evil practices. And in verse 10, he says this, And you have clothed yourself... With the new spiritual self. Now listen to, listen to this next sentence. Which is ever in the process of being renewed and remolded into fuller and more perfect knowledge upon knowledge after the image or the likeness of Him who created it. We are ever in the process of being renewed and remolded. Remolded. I said remodeled. Remolded into fuller and more perfect knowledge upon knowledge after the image or after the likeness of Him who, who created it. 
So what does that say? What's your part and my part in sanctification? We've got to put off the old man and put on the new. We have to clothe ourselves. We have to, we have to stop thinking like the world and start thinking like God. We have to stop acting like the world and act like God. Isn't it a shame that at times it is hard to tell when you walk in a place that it's hard to tell the difference between the Christians and the, the world people, the worldly. I was, I was in a restaurant the other day, and uh, the service wasn't good at all. And, you know, we were just, uh, you know, I was, I was with, a, with another minister, and, and, uh, and the, the table behind us, when we came in, they, they knew this other minister. I didn't know them, but he told me that, he told me that they, you know, he said that they, they came to his church every once in a while, and he said they go to another church. And so he knew them, he knew them and, and knew that they professed to be Christians. But they were some of the rudest and meanest people to that waitress. Now, was the service, I mean, you know, the service wasn't good at all. The food was taking twice as long to get there as it should. You know, but yet, they were walking in the old man. They put, they put on their flesh instead of putting on the spirit. Now, does that mean we allow people to run over us? Of course not. But yet, at the same time, you can, you can, still, you can still voice your opinion and do it in love. They, if, if I didn't know they were, if I didn't know that, if, if this person hadn't told me that they went to church, I would have bet anything that they didn't go to church. Some of the language they were using. And the way they were just, just so mean and, dis, and disrespectful to this lady. And I was just like, uh, you know, when they left before we did, and, uh, and, and, I, and when, when she came over, she, she was very apologetic and, and, you know, and, and of course it wasn't her fault. I mean, you know, what, what happened. But but I I just you know I just I, I uh, as I was getting ready to leave you know I just grabbed her hand I said I said can I hold your hand just for a second and you know, she kind of looked at me and and I said I just want to pray with you and I said I know I said I know you're having a rough day and I said I just, but I just want you to know that God loves you and that that you know I said me and my brother here I said we don't I said we don't hold anything against you we're not talking bad about you I said I said as a matter of fact I said we prayed for you. And, and I told her, I said, I, I said, I want you to know this, and, and this blew her away. I said, I want you to know this. I said, I said, I left, I said, I left twice the tip I normally leave. Cause I said, cause I said, I'm sure some people walked out of here and didn't even tip you. And she looked at me and she said, well, why, you know, she was like, why? And I told her, I said, just because I want you, I said, when I leave here, I said, I want you to know that God loves you. And you know, she, and, and tears rolled, she, tears started rolling down her cheek. And and we and she, he the the other minister grabbed her other hand and we prayed for her right there and and it just blessed her. Now, you know, I didn't do that because she was the service was better than anybody else. I just did that because you know what, I wanted I wanted to you know I wanted her to know that God loved her. I wanted to be the fragrance of God. I wanted to I didn't want to put on my old man and say some things that I wanted to say, like all of us want to because we all listen our old man we all. We want to pop up and give a piece of our mind, right? But I wanted, I wanted to make sure I put on the new man. And my thoughts were his thoughts. Because you know what? God, God wasn't upset with her because my food took 10, 10, 15 minutes longer to get there. He didn't have a bad thought about her or the cook or the restaurant. 
You see, I mean, that's, that, I mean, and I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back. I'm just saying, isn't it a shame that, that just reminded me, isn't it a shame that, that people, people don't realize the, the impact that they can have on people? I went, uh, uh, just yesterday, Pastor Marvin, uh, Pastor Marvin and I over Christian Assembly, we, we had breakfast together and there was a waitress that, and she, she was, looked like she was crying or eye was swelled up or something and she, she had something over her eye and, and, uh, and I told Marvin, I said, I said, man, I said, we, I said, we just need to pray for her, you know. I said, she looks like she's in pain, and and we got her attention. She went over there, and man, Pastor Marvin, and I just grabbed her hand and just prayed for her right there, and 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 she looked at us and she said, she said, thank you all for praying in public. I thought that when you said that, Ricardo, I, she said, thank you for, she said, thank you y'all for praying that you're not afraid to pray for somebody in public. And I was like, man, I, you know, I was like, I just, I said, I saw you needed help. And I said, so we're just praying for you, you know. And she, she was leave, getting ready to leave to go to the doctor. She scratched her eye or something. But we prayed for healing and, and, uh, and just, you know, but listen, we can be the fragrance of God. You know, we can live sanctified and holy lives even in an unholy world. It's the will of God. We saw that in the very first scripture. It's the will of God to be sanctified, to live holy, to live righteous. Amen. And and what what good does it do? It allows us, it allows you and it allows me to be a vessel of honor that God can tap us on the shoulder at any time and say, "Hey, grab that grab that waitress's hand and pray for." Her. And I can hear him why? Because I, because my my head's not full of junk. Right? And now listen, even even if your head's full of junk, you can still hear him, but I mean, you understand what I'm saying, though. When you when when you saint, when you walk out that process of sanctification and holiness, not that not that any of us are perfect, because none of us are perfect. I mean, we all miss the mark at times, right? I mean, you know, hey, we're working on that, and we're working on missing it less and less. I mean, listen, every one of our goals should be able to to should should be should be that we that we'll miss the mark less tomorrow than we did today. You know, I'm amazed at people. I heard somebody arguing with somebody the other day saying that, oh, we sin every day. We can't help but to sin. It was almost like they were just saying, well, I have an excuse to sin every day. We're, gonna, we're just going to automatically sin. I'm like, well, man, my target is to, to go through life without sinning. Now, I miss that mark sometimes. You know, I may say things or do things or, or have thoughts or whatever the case may be. But listen, but I'm not going to wallow in that. I'm not going to stay there. Pick yourself up, clean yourself off, and get back and say, you know, hey, I'm going to do better. I'm not going to allow that to define who I am. Amen. But, but, but He's calling us, church, to live sanctified, to live holy, to live set-apart lives so that, so that we can be vessels of honor that He can use. And I pray that that's your prayer tonight. Amen? Amen. Well, let's pray, and we'll, we'll let you go. So, Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for sanctification tonight, Lord. I know um, a lot of times we don't use that word. We don't talk about it a lot. But, Lord, my prayer tonight is that, that each one of us hearing this, Father, that we will have more of a desire to, to walk a sanctified life, to walk in holiness, Father, so that we can be vessels of honor. Lord, that we put off the old and we put on the new man after the Spirit in Christ Jesus. And Father, that we live out of the Spirit, and we 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 uh, Father, we 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 just do we uh, just lay down that old man, and and we're not we're not subject to him anymore. We're not under the law anymore, but we're under grace, and we put on that new man. 
and we walk out, walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. So I thank you for that. Pray blessings over each one, Father, tonight as we go our way. Give us a great week. And, Father, uh, thank you just for protecting us and keeping us safe uh, through the snowstorm that's coming, whether we get it or whether we don't. And I just pray, Lord, that you would just protect us all during, this, during these next couple days. And we thank you for that, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. You're dismissed.